Hey, this is Courtney Barnett, and this is the LSU Podcast. Welcome, Courtney Barnett, to the LSQ podcast. So great to hear your voice. Oh, hi. Thanks for having me. I am curious where you are right now, for starters, because I know you were, like so many people, kind of stuck in one place for a while. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i in Melbourne, Australia, and um, I've been here for the last yeah year and a half, pretty much, just quietly. So just solidly. Quietly. You, haven't, you haven't gotten out at all. No, oh, actually, I I went um, just maybe one month ago. I went to New Zealand, and I did um, I did this solo tour in New Zealand, and it was so beautiful. It was the first shows I'd played in a year and a half, and um, so it was a real, you know, a real scene change and just kind of getting back in the in the swing of things. But it was it was really special, really special shows. Yeah, how um, did it, it yeah. how did it feel like yeah, tell me more about what that was like. I mean, how did it feel did it feel different at all or were there sort of things you were aware of that reminded you of of early days playing shows? I think just like uh, probably a whole new level of kind of gratitude on top of what was already there, but um, you know, just being able to travel and be in a room with other people. I mean, that was that was new for me and yeah it was just so special doing those shows connecting with the audiences and and you know I got to play a bunch of my new songs which always feels terrifying but special (laughs) (laughs) you know speaking of the new songs obviously they were written during this time when uh when there wasn't really any going anywhere and it's interesting, Ray Street, you know, so the song that was the first tune shared, um, describes kind of looking out the window and, and observing what's what's happening out there. I'm curious when you first started to kind of have observation of other people feel like a source of inspiration to you as an artist. Ah, oh, um, I mean, that's a good question. I've never... I've never really thought about that. I've never really considered it. I guess I used to, I had this other flat in Hobart. I, I used to live in Tasmania in my kind of late teens, early 20s. And um, and I had this flat that was above a bar, like a bar strip club. Um, and I had this balcony and I could watch over the street there as well. It was just really... You know, I used to smoke then and I'd just sit out on the balcony and watch the kind of world go by. And I mean, it sounds, maybe that sounds a bit strange, but it's also just, I don't know, you just kind of see the world going past and everyone doing their normal, boring, everyday things. And um, Oh, yeah. I love it. I live, on, <laughs> I, live on a, I live on a highly trafficked street um, in Brooklyn and... I'll sit by my window to smoke my dube or whatever. And <laughs> I'm like, I am that lady, you know. I mean, I'm I'm up. I'm not on street level or anything, you know, with the mm. classic lady who leans out the window and just checks stuff out. I'm, I'm up <laughs> enough, but it's good because then, you know, I can see stuff that, you know, I can see people who aren't, who don't know they're being seen. You know, they're like on a stressful breakup phone call and I'm just like a few stories up at like, you know, smoking out the window and I'm like, wow. Yeah. 
it's just fascinating like yeah the things that you observe in in those small moments I think and when people are kind of you know they look down the street and it's empty and they just kind of yeah assume assume that they're kind of alone or whatever and it's just uh I don't know it's just interesting I always find it fascinating seeing how people act and interact and yeah and obviously that question has the you know my inference that 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 is kind of a source of inspiration for you just from what I hear in your lyrics you know but yeah I mean where where do you think um your original kind of source of writing inspiration came from what do you remember about the earliest things that made you want to create uh earliest was probably um I mean maybe a bit more kind of poetry it was all a bit more like focused on my kind of thoughts and my feelings and it was a little bit because I get, I mean, I feel like I started writing songs when I was quite young. Like so it how was young? kind of, well, maybe like twelve if. I mean, I started playing guitar when I was ten, and then I kind of, I don't even know what what those early early inspirations were. Just kind of, it was kind of like diary diary keeping, and maybe learning, you know, doing creative writing at school and learning about poetry at school and you know having to having an assignment to go home and write a poem for for class and so that I mean they maybe make sense as the kind of earliest but did um, it feel did it feel did it feel spicy to you right away as like where you're like oh this this is an interesting (laughs) feeling yeah yeah I um I I was I was pretty obsessed I think with it I just I was very curious and I wanted to kind of understand what what this thing was more. Uh, and I still, yeah, I think I still have that same curiosity and I'm always wanting to kind of learn more and experience more and understand more. It's kind of like a, I feel like writing or songwriting or anything like that is, it's just a, it's a constant kind of lesson, a constant journey, which is makes it exciting. Were there any particular poets at that point before you kind of started to connect it with playing guitar and writing songs that you felt, you know, I don't know that you gravitated toward or, or felt like, oh, okay, that might be the way I could do it. Because I feel like Not- poetry <laughs> seems so unapproachable to like what they teach you, or at least yeah. in my, when I was coming up, like, what they teach you at age 10, 11, 12 about poetry or something in school is so unapproachable <laughs> and like stuffy or whatever that, you know, it would be hard to feel like, oh, I could write poetry in modern society. Totally. Oh, yeah. It was like, I mean, I remember kind of, you know, doing Shakespeare at some point in high school and a lot of it went over my head and I didn't, I just couldn't, I couldn't kind of compute a lot of it. But I still, I mean, I still found it some level of interesting. But yeah, I I think that I hear what you're saying. I think for me, I couldn't grasp a lot of it. Maybe that's why sometimes I was a bit more interested in the kind of simplicity of when someone could say something really simply, but with so much kind of depth and meaning behind it, that probably really stood out to me because I could I could probably understand it better and I could... Um, I could connect with it on that emotional level. 
would you write poems at that point or did you pretty much like pretty quickly kind of get into as playing guitar and kind of putting it into songwriting form uh no I wrote lots of poems lots of poems and lots of kind of short stories yeah I really I really was obsessed with just writing everything and anything <laughs> wow do you think that you know like if so, would, would we recognize sort of your your voice in it from from people who've heard your music I don't know. That's a great question. I, I, I would imagine. Um, I think I've gone back, you know, to my parents' house at at some point and and look and flipped through old books and stuff. And uh, yeah, I think it's, I think it's probably quite, you know, whatever the word is, trying to like copy someone else with, yeah, without realizing it at the at the time. I mean, I just feel like all stuff like that. It's like you know for an outsider it's like yeah it was trying to copy this but there's also this seed of the other thing that's like you you know that's like in yeah. there already probably that's just like you know where it's just like oh yeah but that's the seed of you that makes your thing special and unique you know hard to see yeah it totally yeah it'll so be what, interesting when, to kind of analyze yeah. them <laughs> yeah bring bring some of them out you know um but but <laughs> when it came to picking up the guitar and starting to to write songs were there I mean who were the artists kind of you thought okay this is if I were to be uh, this person you know it would, it would maybe be in this vein pretty much I mean I listened to what my brother listened to um and this was kind of that was before we had a cd player so we had a cassette player with like mixtapes that our neighbor would make us um and so my kind of access to music was pretty minimal and uh I just was in love with Jimi Hendrix and Nirvana and that was kind of my uh they were the two things that we would listen to the most yeah I mean the Hendrix obviously is intimidating as a guitarist right from the shred standpoint (laughs) of where you're like well I, I guess that's my common thread I'm like I'm like Poetry is too hard. Guitar is too hard. <laughs> this is why I ask the questions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, to this day, you know, I've like, I can, I, yeah, I've never l- learned. I can hardly play any Hendrix, but I don't know. I think I, t- I think the, there was a lot of poetry in his lyrics that I was, I was quite kind of drawn towards. Like it's very kind of floaty, you know, kind of magical feeling sounding because I remember when we got our first family computer and uh like with dial-up internet and when (laughs) I kind of learned (laughs) yeah and learned about the um whatever the first search engine was back then I forget and I would like look up lyrics I would just spend all my time looking up guitar chords and lyrics and just kind of like trawling through them and it's kind of like that I didn't really know what I was doing. I Like I wasn't trying to emulate or learn from it. I was just obsessed with it. So I was just like consuming it. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, just just like hoarding, hoarding all these things. Maybe it was some sort of like, un- like subconscious way of, of, you know, soaking it into your own kind of creative body or something. But... I don't know what I was, I was just obsessed. So I just kind of, I would just pour through these pages of lyrics. 
And when when it comes to Nirvana, I mean, was that did you have MTV at that point, or were you were you sort of seeing all of the? Because I guess that is that does sort of overlap, right? Your early this early era of mm. playing guitar that is prime, that is peak uh, MTV grunge Nirvana moment, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so that would have <laughs> I would have been ten eighty seven ninety seven ish. I mean, yeah. late nineties. Yeah, we didn't have MTV, but we had in Australia. There's a there's a, a TV show every Saturday morning called Rage, which is like music video clips, which I assume is kind of like MTV. Is that what that is? Like mu- like music video clips back to back? Yeah. Kind of well, no. You wish MTV viewers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was yeah. That's what it was, sort of. And I guess back then it kind of was reliably, at least, sort of in the morning when you were getting ready to go to school, and after you came mm. home, you could see a bunch of videos before before it got into like other weird um, original programming. But uh, right. Oh, yeah. every day. Oh yeah. Oh cool. Oh yeah, every day, all the time, constant, you know, constant. <laughs> Which I guess, like, yeah, I guess you were younger then as well. Late '90s is like Kurt had already died, and it was we're starting to get into the kind of weird permutations of commercial grunge and that kind of shit. So it got yeah, got, got sketchy for a minute. But yeah, then definitely you... in the in the early two thousands, I definitely, you know, there was definitely lots of questionable questionable <laughs> CDs on my. CD rack. Sorry, what were you going to say? <laughs> I was going to say, when did when did songwriting, you know, instead of sort of learning, uh, you know, absorbing and learning, and when did kind of, yeah, really trying to write a song and have your own, uh, you know, voice as an artist begin to be a thing? I feel like I, you know, worked at it through my kind of teens and I was, yeah, I definitely stayed obsessed, but I think I, I was more just... I think I was more interested then in I just wanted to form a band with kids at school and I just, you know, the the idea of just that kind of communal musical interaction. But it was just, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I kind of like had a few little bit and I was just kind of always the guitarist trying to get people to like I was always trying to find a singer and trying to find a band and but no one else seemed <laughs> as obsessed as me maybe. So I joined like the school, you know, the jazz band and the I played in like all the musicals, like the orchestra for the musicals and that kind of stuff. And yeah, it was probably more than I was always writing and kind of writing songs in my room, but it wasn't I was very shy. I never sung in front of anyone until I was like maybe I don't know. I remember my first the first song that I sung on a stage. Um, like standing up playing guitar with a band behind me was Learn to Fly, Fly by the Foo Fighters. Maybe Sick. I was 16, 15 <laughs> or 16. Um, so that was that was like a pivotal moment where I... Where, um, was, where was that? That was in Sydney. I grew up in Sydney and then I moved, my parents moved, um, moved us to Tassie around that age, like 15, 16. Now I kind of forget, but... And for some reason, like once I got to Hobart and I, you know, I was really angry about having to move schools and blah, blah, blah. And, but then I think I was nervous to make new friends and just for a new environment and all that stuff. And maybe some like weird, extreme, proactive 
thing kicked in and and that's when I like that's when I kind of decide like I I wanted to do this thing that I was always too shy to do it was almost like a extra like the the opposite reaction of how I was feeling or something but anyway I went back to Sydney to my old school and there was like this concert thing and so (laughs) I did it there and then so maybe that I mean that was like a pivotal a little bit of a moment because I hadn't sung in front of anyone and um and that was kind of exciting and then I think when I left school I went to university and um I was doing art like um kind of photography and drawing like fine arts at university and that's when I really when I was supposed to be doing my kind of art assignments is when I really started focusing on songwriting (laughs) it's like the best kind of distraction so yeah so that was I guess 18 18 I I love though that you yeah you decide you like to have this the comeback story you're like I'm gonna I'm I left town but I'm gonna come back for one night only just to play foos at this shitty place and then I'm out again yeah It and was, but did you yeah. did you, I mean you were nervous about it but did did it, you know did it feel good it, did it did it light something in you It's funny like I my concept of time is so warped and that like that just feels like another this feels like another lifetime <laughs> And I only actually thought about that exact thing just re- like last week I don't I'd almost forgotten about it and then um and then I remembered last last week um but I mean it must have sparked something because I you know because from then like that's what I wanted to kind of I mean I always just wanted to to make music but that was probably I think it's like that thing of you know proving to yourself that you can do something or kind of jumping outside of that comfort zone a little bit that was definitely what I what I did yeah (laughs) <laughs> and so and so how did that kind of develop as you got, you know, got older and started playing music out in the world a bit more? How did it evolve into finding the direction that you found with your with your catalog? Um, I think when I, you know, around that 18, 19, 20 year old time when I was really focusing on writing and I was kind of learning how to record myself at home and then I started doing like open mic kind of gigs and um and yeah performing my songs I just kind of play solo wherever like on any stage that would have me <laughs> and I just kept doing that I guess right but I mean you you played with bands for a little while and I'm I'm guessing it sounded you know quite different from from your songs on on your own like was there kind of a progression in your like yeah what you were trying what you were going for as as far as what you wanted to present musically or lyrically as you you know in the years leading up to when we started hearing the songs you were releasing yeah I think um I guess I was kind of always doing that solo thing and then I I would join other bands on and off throughout that time and I mean again I guess it's just that kind of you know lifelong kind of 
lesson of every band I would join, I would learn something new and, you know, I'd, I'd learn something new about music and how to play guitar and how to interact with people and just that human kind of psychology, you know, just kind of constant, a constant state of learning. And I guess that all funnels back in a way into what I do, like how I write my songs and my songs, I guess, are kind of observational of myself and the world around me. So everything like funnels into it. Yeah. And I mean, do do you feel like there was a point where you realized that you wanted to kind of just be out there on, you know, just it just to be you? Obviously, when you play the very loud rock shows that you play with your band who are these ongoing musicians in some cases that play with you it's not like it's not like you're like I'm Jewel or whatever and here's the rest of the (laughs) here's the rest of the slobs but it is you know it's your voice it's very personal it's it's you um and for someone who is starting off from uh being more introverted about about being out there on your own in front of an audience like was there a moment in playing shows when you feel like you crossed over to the other side of being like, no, this is what it ha- this is what it's going to be. It's me playing my songs at the end of the day. I think, um, I think a lot of that just ended up being time. Like I, there came a point where I was doing so much more touring of my own stuff that I, like that was one of the main the main kind of reasons I stopped playing with other people. Because I, I love it. It's just, it's such a different experience. And especially like having the kind of comparison of, yeah, having my own kind of solo stuff and having a band, like my band that I play with. Um, it's it's a big contrast to, to being the guitar player in someone else's band. It's a really, like I really love, because you're kind of of service to them. Like you're there to make, to lift their songs you know, to the best of your ability and do anything you can to kind of support whoever's song it is or whoever's band it is or whatever whatever it is. And that's like, it's a really, like I really enjoy that experience. Would you say there were periods of kind of exploring music and, and finding new artists that were either new to you or whatever that you were obsessed with, you know, post this early Hendrix Nirvana phase what were some of the artists or labels or whatever that you became obsessed with and that you feel like had an impact on the music you were writing? Yeah, probably so many little phases throughout my life. Maybe, I mean, I remember going to, when I first moved out of home, kind of, yeah, in that 18, 19 age when I was at university and going to art school and just kind of, you know, socializing with other people outside my kind of school life and family life. And, you know, when you discover a new world, I guess, yeah, my favorite kind of way of discovering music is through friends or through, you know, people whose taste you really admire. And I mean, I remember there was a period where I, you know, someone must have shown me like the Breeders and Patti Smith and, but I just, even like throughout my kind of 20s just discovering like Nina Simone, Neil Young, I'd never listened to growing up and then kind of had this moment in my early 20s like wow (laughs) this is great (laughs) who's this guy this is amazing (laughs) 
He's um, a wonderful Canadian. <laughs> and I just love like, yeah, I, I love to get excited about music. And I think there used to be a part of me that was like, for some reason, like it's embarrassing to admit that you had never heard of this person or this thing or this band. And I just think it's, I don't know, it's special. Like it's, it's exciting to be constantly learning and consuming new things. And when they do like really excite you or inspire you, then like that's, that's a really amazing thing. Yeah. And I always feel like there's plenty of time. I mean, ideally, you know, there's, Mm. there's plenty of time to hear something, you know, to get exposed to something that you, you know, haven't yet. And, Mm. and it's nice to save stuff too. I have certain things where I, like, I still haven't seen every episode of Arrested Development because, you know, (laughs) this way there's still some new ones to see, you know, (laughs) there's still some Bob Dylan albums I've never listened to because he's got plenty and some of them are supposedly a little rough anyway, but (laughs) (laughs) I'll have a first time with some of those one day. Yeah, I did a lot of that last year in my uh, very quiet solitude of COVID year. Um, just kind of went into the back catalogue of artists that I love, that of albums I'd never, I'd never listened to. Actually, last year was a big kind of musical discovery year for me, probably because I had that time and that space to kind of explore. Um, yeah, what'd you what'd you get things. into? I mean, a lot of kind of Arthur Russell and Brian Eno and then kind of I love to get obsessed with someone and then kind of explore their whole inspirational history or, you know, what kind of what inspired them or what what motivated them. In terms of your uh, your lyric writing, like how has that how has your approach to it um, evolved since you started or do you have any kind of like kind of specific practice for for lyric writing I probably I think I go through phases of um you know process and practice I've definitely there was a period a couple of years maybe 2019 where I was when I was home and I was getting up every day and drinking coffee and sitting at the sitting at a typewriter and just kind of seeing what happened and I've definitely got like tried to kind of be regimented with times and but I don't know a lot of the a lot of the time I feel like I kind of float around different processes and I nothing works and nothing doesn't work you know <laughs> and, and I think I think that's a good way to be I think it's dangerous if you're like I can only write at my desk with my pen my pen right. and nothing else you know like that's it's dangerous to kind of I don't know like hide yourself in that restrained kind of environment um right that you can't kind of break out of but you are um, all, you are you are generally uh keeping notes and jotting things down kind of all the time and, and making yourself do mm. that so that you don't so that the faucet doesn't doesn't stop yeah I think and for me I think that's the best the best way like I yeah some days I spend hours writing and some day and then I might go for weeks with nothing but I constantly yeah have a kind of a catalog or an archive of ideas and I think for me a lot of the time like it's not like I'll go back and find something from six months ago 
or a year ago that at the time I thought was okay, but I wrote it down anyway. And then you see it, you know, a period of time later and it, and it just hits you in a different way. And it's, you know, maybe it makes more sense or maybe it has developed this whole level of meaning. And yeah, I just, and, and the other thing I, I try to write down dreams a lot whenever, like, no matter how kind of mundane or irrelevant they seem, I, I, I find dreams to be really interesting. I try to just write down everything. <laughs> do you, do you find that words are suggestive of melodies or, or is it, are they kind of separate process, separate processes? Cause you know, a lot of artists, they have the old McCartney ham and eggs kind of thing of it's sort of this simultaneous process of like words and melody mm. kind of emerging. And maybe they've got some words they've written down over time that they like, that they can kind of fit to it. But I find like that's pretty pretty often a process people describe. It sounds like like your process often involves that there's this this pile of of lyric or just phrases, ideas, poetries, if you will, like and then there's how how does yeah, how do they how do they make sweet love with the melodies? <laughs> that's the that's the mystery of it. I uh <laughs> I do not know the answer. It's just yeah, it's a lot of kind of blind dates I guess <laughs> it's like blind dates sitting down with the lyric book and sitting down with a guitar and trying to kind of piece things together or sometimes I just sit down on the couch and I'm watching tv and a whole idea will come to me in one like the guitar and the lyrics and it's yeah I never I never know what's going to happen and that kind of keeps it keeps it really exciting sometimes very frustrating you know when I I feel like I don't know the answer and I you know I, I feel like I'll never be able to write another song again when I'm like when you're when you're in that moment of like nothing's working and then a week later it just accidentally write a song that I love <laughs> so it's I, I never know I never know what's gonna happen you're like, thank God I watched that episode of Scrubs or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> There's inspiration in everything. I think that's the lesson. That's the most important lesson I've ever learned. You can't just like sit down at a desk and bang your head against the wall for, for six hours and assume some grand idea will come because the greatest ideas <laughs> do come when you're like, you know, getting a blood test at the at the local medical center and you're sitting in the waiting room <laughs> reading a magazine or something you know that's when the best ideas come that's when you whip out your typewriter and you just get a clack in it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the the notes there must be a robust uh section a uh, list of notes in the in the phone uh despite your mm. best efforts to type it out i'm imagining that there are some heavy notes in there yeah, I've got uh, I got bundles of notes everywhere. They're definitely in the phone, definitely in the cupboard, in books and just bits of paper. Um yeah, and then I try my best to organize everything, but it it always just ends up being a bit of an organized mess, which is which is okay. Cuz sometimes I think, you know, you might lose an idea for a reason or you know, like misplace Maybe a song gets like pushed to the back of the cupboard and, and then you, you find it years later and it makes 
yeah, like I said before, like it maybe it it just makes more sense for some reason. So when you going into making this album, were you know obviously you were at the mercy of circumstances as we all were stuck in one place and not knowing how this next album would enter the world, you know, and what the landscape for that would be. Do do you think that that influenced what what you ended up writing about? Yeah, I think without a doubt. Like, I mean, environment and surroundings and circumstance, I think is always going to affect me in some way, even, you know, no matter how hard you try. I didn't want to write, like, a COVID-specific album, but um, there's always going to be bits bits that that seep in. I mean, because it's the time in the world that I was living in. It's the news that I was consuming, you know, the conversations I was having with friends. So I think, yeah, I, I think that my kind of circumstances always kind of soak into the to the songs I'm writing. And to the extent that you can kind of impose from outside what you want the next group of songs to be, because as you say, sometimes they come, sometimes they don't come. But yeah, did you, once it, once it was clear you were beginning to make an album, and I know you were working with Stella on, on some of this stuff as well, like, but did you, did you have any concrete ideas of things you wanted to try or, or ways you wanted it to be, you know, a stretch for you? You know, I always want to push myself somehow again with that kind of constant learning experience and just trying to step outside the comfort zone a little bit and trying different things trying different kind of processes and methods and but I didn't have I didn't have too much of an idea no it wasn't too um too concrete and a lot of it was kind of again the circumstance like I was writing by my I was alone for so so much of it and you know so I did a lot of kind of home recording and demoing of these songs which I don't always do normally I work on songs and then a week before I go in the studio I I show the band and we kind of put it together and but back to my kind of early 20s late teens way of kind of demoing and recording ideas so maybe, you know, the songs kind of grew in a bit of a different way. And then working with Stella was so great because we kind of got to swap, I guess just swapping kind of musical, like her musical knowledge is so rich and so broad. And so I kind of consumed a lot of a lot of that, you know, I, I think that that kind of filtered into the, the way I was thinking about the new songs. So it was, yeah... Yeah, a, I mean, and there's you can tell there's a different like a different approach to to rhythm, which, which makes sense on the songs that are more like rhythmically driven, which makes sense, you know, considering she's just such a rhythm king. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and it must have been just sweet to have a collaborator and friend around because she was in she was there in Australia the entire time as well, right in Melbourne. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah, she grew up in Sydney also and um so was kind of back home and we have claimed her here in the US (laughs) (laughs) yeah so yeah it was kind of you know like because we worked together years ago on the Kurt album and uh and then since then I'd wanted to I'd like one day I knew I wanted to work with her again and then 
we were in LA, we were in touch like kind of at the start of 2020 or late 2019 and we did this one, um, I did this um, charity show and, and, sh- and I got her to play in the band and then it was kind you know, like the fact that we both were back in Australia and kind of I was like trying to think of who I wanted to make my album with in this strange world where I couldn't really see anyone and like it was hard to kind of like Melbourne was kind of in lockdown and we couldn't go to studios and I didn't quite know what I was doing and and I was chatting with her and kind of asking her advice and getting a list of like engineers she liked and producers she liked and then I and then I kind of over a few weeks of talking to her I realized that I actually just wanted to work with her (laughs) it was like this very (laughs) slow realization (laughs) thank you so much for connecting with me to do this really appreciate it Courtney oh no worries it was so nice to talk to you thank you Courtney Barnett's fantastic new album Things Take Time Take Time is out now and she's going to be on tour around the world extensively in the coming months And thank you so much for listening to episode 69 of the LSQ podcast. We're also now at the end of this season, season four, and uh, I'm excited for the stuff that's lining up for next year, including the legendary Stephen Van Zandt. I recorded an interview with him just the other day that uh, I'll share eventually. You can reach me in all of the places at Jenny LSQ, and I'll talk to you next time.